0: my favorite theorem i'm one of your hosts evelyn lamb i'm a freelance math and science writer currently based in paris and this is my
1: co-host hi i'm kevin knutson professor of mathematics at the university of very very hot florida
0: (laughs) yeah not not so bad in paris yet
1: it's gonna be 96 tomorrow wow (laughs) yeah
0: so on each episode, we invite a mathematician to come on and tell us about their favorite theorem. And today we're delighted to welcome Emil Davy Lawrence to the show. Hi, Emil. Hello, Evelyn. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. So I am a term
2: assistant professor at the University of San Francisco. I'm in the math and statistics department. Um, I've been here since 2011, so I guess that's six years now. Um, I love the city of San Francisco. I have two children, ages two and almost four. Who wow. um, are adorable if you're facing oh. <laughs> anything. <to> <laughs> Thank you so much. You'll get no arguments from me. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so been doing math for quite a while now. I'm a topologist. Um, My mathematical interests have always been in topology, um, but they've sort of evolved within topology. Um, I started doing break groups. um, And right now I'm sort of thinking about spatial graphs a lot. So, um, all sort of low dimensional topology uh,
0: ideas. Very cool. Cool. So what is your favorite theorem? So my favorite theorem
2: is the classification theorem for compact surfaces. Um, It basically says that no matter how weird the surface you think you have on your hands, if it's a compact surface, it's only one of a few things. It's either a sphere or the connected sum of a bunch of tori or the connected sum of a bunch of projective planes.
0: Um, and that's, so, that's it. Okay, and can you uh, tell us a little bit more about what projective planes are? Right, so
2: um, obviously a sphere, well, I don't know how obvious, um,
0: but a sphere
2: <laughs> is like the surface of a ball, um, and a torus is, looks like the surface of a donut. Um, and a projective plane is a little bit stranger, Um, I think anyone who would be listening may have run into a Mobius band at some point. Um, Basically just, if you take a strip of paper and glue the two ends of your strip together with a half twist, this is a Mobius band, it's a non-orientable surface. Um, I think sometimes like kids do this or, or, um, you know, they they pop up in different um, contexts Um, But one way to describe a projective plane is to take a Mobius band and add a disc to the Mobius band. And it gives you sort of this uh, compact surface without boundary because you've identified the boundary of the circle of the Mobius band to the boundary of the disc. Right. Um, Okay. So now you've got this non-orientable thing. It's called a (laughs) plane. Uh, another way of thinking about a projective plane is to take a disc and glue um, one half of the boundary to the other half of the boundary in opposite directions. It's a really weird little
1: surface. Yeah, one of those things we can't visualize in three dimensions, unfortunately.
2: Right, right, and it's actually hard to explain. I don't think I've ever tried to explain it without
1: drawing a picture.
0: Right, that's where the blackboard comes in handy.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. Limitations of audio. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever actually tried to make a projective plane with paper or cloth or anything?
2: Huh. I am going to disappoint you there. I have (laughs) not. Um, The Mobius bands are easy to make. Um, All you need is a piece of paper and one little strip of tape.
0: Um, But I haven't. Have you, Evelyn? I have seen these at um, like the joint meetings. I think somebody brought uh, this one that they had made, um, and I I haven't really tried. I'd imagine if you tried with paper, it would probably just be a crumpled mess. Right. Yeah. Um, but this one I think was with fabric and a bunch of zippers and and stuff, and it seemed pretty cool. I'm I'm blanking now on who it was um, who uh, who made it, but that, that sounds yeah, like something. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: Um, maybe Sarah Marie Del Castro. That sounds like something she would do.
0: It, it might've been, it might've been someone else, but there are lots of cool people doing cool things with that, but okay. I, I should get one my for myself. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I can see cloth and zippers working out a lot better than um, a piece of paper. It would be.
0: Okay, so back to the theorem. Um, do you know what, what makes you love this theorem? Yeah. Um, I think
2: just the fact that it is like a complete classification mm-hmm. of all compact surfaces. Um, it's really beautiful. Surfaces can get weird, right? Um, and no matter what you have on your hands, you know that it's somewhere on this list and yeah. that makes a person like me who likes order, <laughs> i very happy. Um, so yeah. And, and I also like, teaching about it Um, in a topology class. I've only taught undergraduate topology a few times, um, but the last time was, oh, last spring, a year ago, spring of 2016, Um, and the students seem to really love it. Um, So you can play these sort of, what surface am I games? So um, part of the proof of the theorem is that you can triangulate any compact surface and cut it open and lay it flat so basically uh, any surface has a, a polygonal representation where you're just some polygon in the plane with edges identified in pairs so I like to um, have like this game in my class where I just draw a polygon and I identify some of the edges in pairs and I say okay what surface is this And they kind of get into it, you know, because they know what the answers, what the possibilities are for the answers. And, yeah, you can sort of just um, triangulate it and find the Euler characteristics, see if you can find a Mobius band, and then you're off to the races. That's great. Um, Yeah,
1: you know, I taught taught the graduate uh, topology course here at Florida this past year, and I'm ashamed to admit I didn't actually prove the classification.
2: It's yeah. It's yeah. I mean, right. No, you should not be ashamed to admit that because it's <laughs> something that I totally kind of, it's, it's something at an, an undergraduate level you sort of get to at the end, mm-hmm. I guess, depending on how you structure things. And mm-hmm. we, t- we did get, um, we did get to it at the end of the course. So I don't know how rigorously um, I proved it for them um, because there's, there's the, the combinatorial step that goes from you know you can take this polygonal representation and uh, put it in this sort of normal form always that's that's um that takes a lot of of work and time so yeah um, there
0: are delicacies in there that you don't really know about until you try to teach it i i taught it also in the class a couple years ago and when we got there i was like this seemed this seemed like a, a little easier when I yes. saw it as a student. And now that I was trying to teach it, it seemed a little harder. Like, oh, there are all of these T's I have to cross and I's right. I have to dot. Well, that's always the right. way, right? Yeah. Right. So right. I,
1: Actually, I just I assigned uh, as a homework assignment that my students should just compute the homology of these surfaces even and even puncture them. You know, genus G R punctures. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just as a homework exercise. But, I, you know, and so from there you can sort of see that, you know, homology tells you that you can't have, the, the genus defines, you know, classifies things at least up to homotopy invariants. Right. But how right. do you, I don't know, this combinatorial business is tricky. That's hard stuff. It really is. Yeah. It is. It
0: is. Was this a love at first sight kind of theorem or is this a theorem that's grown on you?
2: I have to say it's grown on me. It, 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 you know, I, I probably saw it um, my first year of graduate school, and like all of topology, um, I didn't love it at first when I <laughs> saw it as a first-year graduate student. I did not see any topology as an undergrad. I went to a small, um, a sort of liberal arts college that didn't have it. Um, so yeah i have matured in my appreciation for the classification <laughs> theorem of surfaces um it's definitely something that that i love now
0: yeah. yeah
1: yeah well you're talking to a couple of topologists so you don't really have to to convince us very much uh, <laughs> right and actually I, I had a professor as an undergrad who always said you know topology is analysis done right so, <laughs> I, know I, I like just, that. I know I just infuriated all the analysts who were listening, but um, mm. but I, I always took that to heart because I always felt that way too. All those epsilons and deltas, who wants all that? You know, who needs it? Draw me a picture. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I was so surprised in the first, uh, I guess advanced calculus class I had that didn't, you know, a, a broader approach to calculus and I learned that all of these open sets and closed sets and things actually had to do with topology, not with not mm-hmm. all, not necessarily with epsilons and deltas, so that yeah. was really a revelation,
1: right? So you're interested in braids too, or you were? Have you moved on?
2: Um, I I, I would say I'm still interested in braids, although that is not the focus of my research right now. So well, those are um, hard
1: questions too. I mean, uh, just just so much interesting combinatorics there.
2: That's right. That's right. And I think that was sort of what made me like break groups in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, this, I thought it was really neat that a group could have that sort of geometric representation. I had mm-hmm. never, you know, groups, I don't know. I mean, when you learn about groups, you do, I guess the symmetric group is one of the first groups that you learn about. But then it starts to sort of wander off into abstract land. And break groups really appealed to me, just my sense of um i don't know just the fact that i liked learning visually Mm
1: -hmm. Um, yeah and of course it's not
2: quite as
0: in the clouds as some abstract exactly
2: yeah
1: and of course they're tied up with surfaces right because braid groups are just the mapping class group of a punctured disc so there
2: you go there you go and
1: and evelyn being the the local teichmuller theorist can tell us all about uh, uh, the mapping class groups on surfaces right (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> no
0: we're, getting, we're getting way too far from uh, I, I, from, from the, cla- the classification I, of circumstances. Right, you're right. Here. This, this is
1: my fault. I like to I like to go off on tangents. My, <laughs> my
0: Let's bad. reel it back in.
1: Let's reel it back in. Yep. <laughs> my bad.
0: Well, so so you mentioned that um, you've kind of matured into this, uh, you know, a pre- true appreciation of this lovely theorem, um, which kind of brings me to the. The next part of the show. So, in the best things in life are better together. So, mm-hmm. can you recommend a pairing for your theorem? Um, this could be a, a fine wine or a flavor of ice cream or a favorite piece of music or art that you think really enhances the beauty of the, this classification theorem.
2: Well, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to say coffee and donuts. Of as course. I hate to call-
0: <laughs>
1: would
2: like i i really tried to say something else but i couldn't make myself do it <laughs> a donut and a cup of coffee go great with the classification of compact surfaces
1: theorem but like san that's Fra- fair san francisco coffee right like really good oh, yeah. dark maybe maybe <laughs> walk down to blue bottle and, and and stand in line for a while and get there you there. Go.
2: Vietnamese
0: coffee and
1: oh, yeah there you go right that's good
0: is is there a particular uh, flavor of donut that you recommend?
2: Well, you know the maple bacon. Mm. I mean, who can say no to bacon on a donut?
1: <laughs> or on anything Please for not. that matter. Yeah.
2: Yeah, or on anything.
1: Yeah. So, so that's just a genus one surface, though. So, I mean, can, can we get higher genus? Uh, in a Donut? Have, have we seen these anywhere? Is it always just genus one?
2: You no. Know, there are some like ah, uh, twisted little pastry type things. I'm wondering if there's some higher genus donuts out there.
0: There's uh, nothing else. There's yeah, a little bit of Dane twisting going on with that. definitely some
2: twisting, yeah, yeah. There's
0: definitely some twisting. Um, Guess we could move all the way over into pretzels, but that doesn't quite go as well with a cup of coffee.
2: Right. Or if you're in San Francisco, you could, you could get one of these cronuts that have been... All the rage
0: lately. Yeah, what is a cronut? I have not quite understood this concept. It
2: is a cross between a croissant and a donut, and it's a it's sort of it's flakier than your average donut, but it is quite good. And um, yeah, if you want one, you're probably going to have to stand online for about an hour to get one coming really? out of the, the right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, I'm not. Maybe the the rage has died down by now. Maybe. Um, but at least that was what was that was happening um, when they
0: first were introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm a little scared of the corona. That sounds intense, but also intriguing. You gotta try everything once. Evan, live on the edge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't the know edge of
0: the corona. The, the edge. edge. Pastries.
1: You're in Paris. We're not too concerned about your uh, your ability to get good Oh, taste. right. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I I have been putting away some butter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the French have oh. it right. They understand that butter does the heavy lifting. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Probably be a sin to have a cronut in
1: in Paris. They'd probably. probably be but
0: if if they made them, if they made one, it would be the best cronut that existed.
1: That's probably Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Well, I think this has been fun. Um, anything else you want to add about your favorite theorem?
2: Um, you know, it's it's a theorem that everyone should dig into, even if you aren't into topology. I think it's it's an important and one of those foundational theorems that um, everyone should see at least once and look at the proof at least once. Um, just 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 for a well-rounded mathematical education
1: maybe I should look at the proof sometime yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thanks so much for joining us Emil. we really enjoyed having you um, and this has been My Favorite Theorem
2: thank you so much
1: thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lang. the music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida they are Blake Crawford Gus Knudsen, Dell Mitchell, and Bauchan Wen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem@gmail.com, at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at NivikNasdunk. That's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards. And Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.